Hi, my name is Eric Swan. I'm highly involved in the motorsports industry. I own and operate ESR, Eric Swan Racing. ESR has many parts. I sell racing parts online, have a podcast with over 100 episodes. I'm a sponsored professional level racer, work as a motorcycle riding coach for multiple organizations, a race official, motorcycle test rider, and produce marketing and advertising for businesses. After hundreds of hours of podcasting, I'm interested in using my voice commercially for broadcasting, audiobooks, commercials, voice acting, and other opportunities that may arise. Please consider using me, Eric Swan, for your next audio voiceovers. Head over to ericswanracing.com for more information. Getting a little bit of the payment for Barber. So I'm just working, working just about every day, but um yeah working i i skateboard in my free time um when it's ski season i ski and maybe a little bit of a well pump track on a bmx bike perfect and i'll backtrack just a few seconds because i just hit a record button but oh, uh, okay. yeah eric swan racing.com <laughs> podcast number 118 with spencer humphreys and i talked to your brother just a little bit ago on here so that was cool and just want to get your story and uh you know, get your name out there so thanks for coming on and talk to me um it's cool to be in the triple digits and to just talk to so many people, you know, um, I will say it's not an interview format. I'm sure you've seen one or two of them before, so you can ask me questions. We can go back and forth. Um, it's just supposed to be a conversation. So, uh, my pep talk is like, swear, be yourself, have an unpopular opinion. Just talk about whatever we could talk about, you know, homeless people or Michigan or, you know, any subject really is on the table. For sure. For sure. Let's do it. So, uh, you did um, – tell me about your season last year. You had some really good finishes. I worked uh, six out of 11 of the events as a track marshal, waving the flags, oh, yeah. picking up bikes from Daytona, Road Atlanta, uh, Circuit of the Americas to New Jersey, Barber, and uh, Pittsburgh. So uh, it's and cool that was, to see that out was, there. That was last year or not? Uh, not uh, that was year. 2022, so this current 2022. year. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't even know you were over at Jersey. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was uh it's cool to uh you know be able to walk around the pits during the uh the fan walk time and get posters and uh talk to all the riders and ask them to come on my podcast and all that. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, um but yeah, I mean the this season was really um in a word hectic, but um also in a way maybe a little bit unprepared me and my brother had like this this plan at the beginning of the year we got the uh the bike from Beloche from last year and we were like all right Humphreys racing we're doing this we got to do this and I'll tell you what the time went flying by <laughs> and next thing we knew it was the month before Jersey and Tyler sat me down and he was like yeah so Moto America is not going to happen. And at that point there, I was like heart shattered. I'm like, what are we going to do? Um, but then right after that, he said that um, Mike Skronik does, you know, rides for someone that he would want to help out for, you know, X amount of money. Um, and he was like, all right, so just come up with this money before the weekend and we can do it. So I put in stupid hours at my work over at with kids they also helped me out um sponsorship wise but a lot of hours um a lot of dedication i made 
made it my job to just get to the track. And last year with riding with Veloce, I just knew that I needed track time. That was it. Like every race I was at when it was at Pittsburgh, Jersey and Barber, I was like, I know I can be up there. I just need more time on this bike. Cause last year at Pitt, that was my first time on the bike, tires, everything. First Moto America race, everything. So I just said, I need track time. So like going to the track, like I would have a, a huge, huge interruption. Like couldn't get to the track. Like my dad's truck broke down. Uh. <laughs> they drove out with my mom's car. And then it was like three o'clock in the morning by the time I got to the track, because we ditched the truck there, moved the bike over to a trailer, the whole nine. Um, Gotta repack yeah, everything at the job. side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everything. So we had to load my suit and like they brought the trailer with my mom's car, had to unload the bike. It was, yeah. 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 And um, I know that happened to Keegan Brown um, at New Jersey. I think they were going to the same event and uh, their vehicle broke down. So they got like a U-Haul on the side of the road and like repacked everything. And it's like, man, I wonder if I'm going to even get to the race. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you just got to make it happen. There's so many things that could go wrong between um, getting the bike getting the team in place, then just driving to the track and unloading everything, making sure you didn't forget your suit or something like all the little things that add up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so having some hardship getting to the track sometimes, you know, what most people don't understand from an out of motorsport, uh, person is, uh, it's, it's all pay to play. It's not like football or soccer or golf. I just saw the PGA tour has like a half a million dollar payment. If you just do their rounds and show yeah. up and like, yeah, it's nothing like that. I mean, there is, a, I think the payment or contingency money is getting better. Um, but uh, the only one that's the best is like Daytona, right? If you yeah. get, uh, they have $175,000 purse for the top 40 people, not just one person. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's not quite there yet, but I think it's getting better. What What are your thoughts on the, the payment structure? Um. I mean, it's definitely, obviously, I think too low for sure. I think you could ask anybody and they would probably say, yeah, it's, it's too low. But that's just, I feel like the the way our sport is right now in the States and everything, I think it's definitely making some type of improvement Um, with Moto America, with them bringing in like the baggers. Although like we hate... I mean, if we're being honest, we're not the biggest fans of the baggers, uh, like us racers, for sure. But got to have some respect for them and everything. And they're definitely bringing in a big crowd. Like at Jersey, it was packed. So, I mean, you know, each and every year, Jersey seems to be getting more and more people. Um, I don't know about the other rounds, but, you know, just seeing Jersey like that, it, it looks it looks good. It looks good. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are coming out. Um, they've been stuck in their house for so long, post-pandemic or scam, scamdemic, however you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, everybody's like, let's go to the track again. And tickets, you know, I've actually never bought a Moto America ticket because I've always worked the event. So I don't even know oh, how yeah. much they are, but they can't be that expensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're not. I mean, it's, it's a cool place to be, you know? And uh, That's in uh, America. I would recommend anybody who likes motorsports, you don't have to be a racer to be a marshal, to be a race official. Um, and they'd give you a daily pay rate. It's not astronomical, but it helps you pay for gas, you know, coming from multiple States away. Like I am um, it's, you get to 
you know, get in for free. You're a, you're a volunteer of sorts, but um, they give you a crash course on what to do. It's better if you work for probably an amateur organization first, like CCS or WERA. But um, it's great to be able to help out and see it up close. And you get to meet the riders in uh, always not the greatest circumstances, whether they have a mechanical or they fell <laughs> down or, you know, they might be pissed off and they, I, I offer them a water in my chair, sit down for 10 minutes. We'll pick you up at the end of the session, you know, with the, the safety car or something, but, or a crash truck. But um, yeah, if anybody wants to come out, they're always looking for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I was going to say too, you got the best seats in the house. Yeah. <laughs> now you yeah. got to stand most of the time, but I know what you yeah, mean. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because best, best standing point. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> uh they don't want you to be like on your phone or like fall asleep, you know, because you're sitting down or something. So they want you to be like on your toes, ready to go at any moment. But uh yeah, I'd highly recommend it for racers to try it out because uh it was never really discussed or offered to me as a when I was racing, because I always wanted to be at the track racing and riding. Yeah. But um you get a such a different perspective on what's going around the track. Most of the time you have a headset radio with a microphone. You could talk to race control if you need to uh, tell them an incident that's happening, but you see different lines and you start seeing like the Jake Gagne's of the world for each class uh, taking different lines than the rest of the field. I'm like, well, that's probably the right line you should be on. He's trying different stuff and it they look different on the bike and you can see their body positions are different from the back markers to the front guys. And you like, you pick things up, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so, uh, what, uh, what amateur series are you racing in when you're not doing Moto America? Um, so this year I really only did, um, it's, it's weird to say, but I'm, <laughs> I only did one CCS round before Jersey. That was okay. like my first race of the year. Um, I did that. And I did a handful of uh, mini GP events. They let me come out. Um, I brought my 400 from last year, the Veloce bike, um, without fairings and everything. Just brought it out. It was up at New York uh, Race Complex. But, yeah, I mean, they they helped out major, too. You know, just any type of track time is, is good track time. So, um, yeah, not, not much amateur racing this year. Just uh, the one CCS race and then off to the races but yeah sure and uh it's probably cool to be on a such a big team like veloce racing you know you got jody berry over there killing it um yeah. on the on the sv or 650 platform but uh what's it like being on a team like that um i mean so that was last year um i was with actually i was with maz and uh david colset um it was it was a really surreal um environment for sure because it was it was actually the same story last year i didn't have i didn't have a single race under my belt before i went to pittsburgh and they needed uh, a fill-in for max toth but yeah went into it completely blind not sure what to expect what the pit's gonna be like what the the energy is gonna be like but as soon as i got there it was they they run a tight ship like it was fully legit they had snacks i i haven't i don't think i've personally eaten better <laughs> than i did like those weekends i was with them just in my whole entire life wow. like it was just like the best snacks the best food the best drinks like it was it was 
and it doesn't sound like much but when you're at the track and your pits like fully set up like that it was it was huge but yeah i mean they they helped me a lot um you know i it was just a fill-in scenario so each and every race i was at i was just kind of like laying back and kind of just like oh well you know i'm just like a fill-in riders whatever but um yeah but then this year was was different but yeah and they're coming with is it multiple semi trucks and hospitality areas for their guests and everything like the whole nine yards so that's this year last year they had a, a much smaller setup it was still still clean but um yeah uh spiros bought a huge huge semi and he took me in it this year just to like show me around i'm so close with him he's a really cool guy but um yeah it was just showing me around it and it is it is the business like it's it's crazy it's crazy is that one of them with uh sleeping quarters in it i believe so i didn't get like the full full tour all i needed to see was just like the garage area with like five thousand cabinets for everything but yeah probably got uh, multiple spare bikes and worth of parts in there yeah i'd say so <laughs> i'd say so what do you think is a good number of uh, fairings to come to the track with? Like painted, ready to go, Ooh. stickered up. Depends how much you well, push I mean, it. I ideally, I think you should only want to have like maybe one extra set because I mean, if you're crashing two times in a weekend, that's <laughs> that is tough. But I mean, ideal amount, I'd say go three. I mean, you know, better to better to have it not need it and need it not have it. Right. You know, what and. I mean? uh, People are like, well, the MotoGP guys are crashing sometimes twice a session, but they have millions of dollars of budget that it yeah. doesn't even make a, a difference to them, it seems like. Yeah. And, uh, man, I've talked to some teams about getting like a deal and getting, um, seeing if there's a spot in the team. And uh, some of their funding or their deals work, like it, it's, a, it's still a pay to play model. But um, if you don't look, crash the bike as much, and there's not as much crash damage, you essentially get to keep the motorcycle at the end of the year. Um, and so you like buying a bike in a way. Um, but if you if your crash damage exceeds X amount of dollars, they keep the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fair. It's fair. It's a huge incentive to not crash, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can be you can be the best racer, but I mean, if you crash a lot, it doesn't really amount to much, you know? You got to be, you got to pick where you're crashing. Like, I think there was a season Mark Marquez uh, crashed over 30 times in a season and he still won the world championship. Yeah. He's crashing in like practice and qualifying. Yeah. And he's keeping it uh, on the deck, on the wheels, um, you know, in the races most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we got some big news coming up. CCS is uh changed ownership. You hear about that? I did see that. I did see that. I looked at the website and just from the website alone, I was like, this is CCS? Like, really? <laughs> like, it looked beautiful compared to the other website. Let's be honest, the other website, pretty bad. Really bad. <laughs> a little, you know? little 90s but feel. Awful, awful <laughs> feel. Like, 2 out of 10. Yeah. Did not enjoy. But, yeah, I mean, the new ownership should be sweet. I'm not sure exactly what they have in the works for like what's going to actually happen but i mean if the website's looking like that i can only imagine it's gonna be good it's it's uh hopefully you know the owners are gonna have their own wants and desires and dreams for it and the racers are gonna have maybe a different wants and desires and dreams mm -hmm. so 
it's all about like kind of working together, even though we don't own it, we're still a part of it. We're participants yeah. of it. It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't happen without the the racers. So you got to listen to the racers too. Mm-hmm. And something yeah, that I, I think, think um, yeah, go ahead. I think it's someone from evolve. If I'm not mistaken, evolve GT, um, that I, I've been around there for a, a good amount of time and my brother has especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if any one of those guys is like behind that, I can only imagine like they they ride, they know. So yeah. I really think if if it's one of them behind it, I think they'll know what to do. And what do you think? Uh you think Kevin Elliott, he was a previous owner, right? Or was it Eric Kelsher? Um, Kevin Elliott, I believe. Um you think he's on a, on an island in the Bahamas now? How much do you think uh, CCS goes for? Like, how much is a racing organization worth? That's a that's a good question because I mean, <laughs> I mean CCS. I mean all the all the workers and corner workers that come out for CCS and make it actually happen. God bless them. But <laughs> everything other than that, I really think the organization is run very poorly. I can only imagine that it's so much money. Like it, 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 Kevin, I, I couldn't even tell you how much it might be, but (laughs) I mean, it can't be that much. It can't be that much. I don't think he's on the, on the islands in the Bahamas, but maybe he's in Ohio or something. (laughs) I (laughs) I would just think it's gotta be millions of dollars. I have no idea. Maybe I'm um, overestimating it. Maybe a cool mill, a cool mill. Let's go with that. Because like some of the events, they've got to have a massive cash reserve because imagine you go to a huge racetrack and you have a terrible turnout. It rains, you get bad entries, you know, maybe you don't even have that many vendors there. You might have a tire, a couple of tire vendors and a food truck. Like, yeah. um, but it's my understanding that just to rent Daytona for like a day is like a couple hundred thousand dollars per, per day. So like, you're talking probably three quarters of a million dollars just to rent one, one racetrack for one event. Um, and like the local tracks are going to probably give you way cheaper than that. Maybe 10, 20,000. Like, I don't know. Um, I hear it costs like five to $10,000 for just renting ambulances for the weekend. So, uh, it's expensive. It's a, it's a, I think it's big money and you get, um, now, now CCS, they still have the race of champions at, at Daytona, but, they lost their uh, 200. Moto America stole it, right? Um, from yeah, them, yeah. Which I think is probably a good thing. Um, I think it's for the best. I mean, why would one of the biggest races in the country be run by an amateur organization? No shade to anybody. It's just it should be yeah. it should be the top one for your country. I think. Definitely, definitely, and I mean, even like even to watch the 200 previous years before Moto America, it was. I forget the name of the site, but it was some <laughs> oh, some fans Fugazi. choice TV. Yeah, or yeah, fans choice and like looking it up and everything. Like it should have, it should be. All right, go to Moto America Live Plus. Boom, here it is. And now you got all these different classes too. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's sick. And uh, what are your thoughts on? Do you think Daytona currently they just released a 2023 schedule for for Moto America, but mm-hmm. uh, in the past and I think still now. Daytona is not a championship points round. It's like a one-off because uh, it's kind of an endurance race. Yeah. Do you think it should be for points? Do you think they should bring all the classes there and uh, have it a points-paying um, round? Well, if 
so are they not doing like what they did last year, like with the twins and everything? Well, they're still having them race, but it's not for any sort it's of not championship for any points. points. I mean, I mean, they definitely could make it for championship points, but I don't think anybody's like, oh, I'm not going to race this Daytona around because <laughs> there's no points. Yeah. You know, it is still a sweet track with a lot of history and everything. But, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, let them ride. Let them ride. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's cool. So, uh, sounds like uh, you've been to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is a uh, – I haven't raced there after they repaved it with the new section, but uh, I've rode it on my Supermoto a few times, uh, just getting to the corner as a track marshal, but – that's an incredible amount of elevation there. Yeah, yeah. It is a really, really crazy track. I really wish I could have made it out um, to Pittsburgh this year. I really think I could have done some damage there as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was over there with Evolve earlier in the year, just on my, my practice 400. But, um, yeah, I mean, I felt good there and, like, felt almost same pace as Moto America there last year. But, um, yeah, the, the track is really crazy, especially, like, coming into it last year, never riding there and everything. <laughs> First time on the 400 and, like, going over, oh, I couldn't even tell you what turn number it is. It's just been that long. But Blind Hill, you know, you got to, like, just keep it pinned and you got to just, like, <laughs> trust that the bike's going and in the right place at the right time and everything. But, yeah, the track is super sick for sure. And so what's your uh what are some of your tips or tricks for for a track like Pittsburgh that has tons of elevation? Mm, tons of elevation. As uh yeah, on a 400, I would just say roll speed. Like that was my biggest problem when I got there last year. I had I had time on like a 300 and everything, but again, no time on the 400, so I wasn't really like didn't know the the key to riding it the way it should be ridden. But especially for a track around Pittsburgh, like the amount of roll speed you carry, it's going to, it's going to help major. Oh yeah. And uh, just uh, keeping your minimum speed up, it sounds like. So you're not going too yeah. slow. I found yeah. a lot of people, myself included, when you start getting faster, your, your slowest speeds get higher. Because most of the time you're over braking, you're braking too much. You're not carrying mm -hmm. enough corner speed, you're not getting on the throttle early enough, and uh, it really does help. Just even in the slow corners, you don't want to try to be a hero in the slowest corner because that's not going to typically work out. But try to mm -hmm. keep that speed up. That's really oh yeah, helpful. yeah. And uh, so, is there somebody, um, whether amateur or pro, that? Uh, Maybe he's an up and comer that you've got your eye on. Like, hey, watch out for this guy. He's uh, he's really doing well. Um, I would say Josh Raymond. Okay, he rides with uh, Mini GP, and he also did the um, the Mini Cup for Motor yeah. America here on the O Valley. He came to that CCS round before Jersey. It was his first CCS race and everything. He was on a um, and a nsr 250 no i'm butchering that I'm, i can't even tell you it nsx maybe yeah 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 and um so he was riding that around he won i think just about every single one of his races that's pretty I, that's pretty dominant yeah yeah i mean like first time on the track 
everything like that. He did a 34 and Moto America on a 400, you know, we were doing like 30s and whatnot, but still like a 34 yeah. <laughs> on a 250 and winning all the races. And I was, I was talking to him after and he was like, yeah, he, he was satisfied for sure, but he wanted to actually like race people. Like oh, yeah. he, I think he just mopped the competition. <laughs> he's got you disappointed. Know? He's got no one to race with. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's got the drive. He rides like almost every weekend. He does flat track. He does everything. So, I mean, he's definitely one to, to look out for. And that's a good transition to talk about because he's going to be moving up to the next level soon, probably, you know, at, yeah. some, at some point. And so you moved up to the next level. What is that difference like going from you're an expert amateur to going to a professional level? Like what, what does that jump feel like? Um, It's definitely at first, like a little, like almost like shell shocking. You're like, Oh man. Like, like when I first got to Pittsburgh with Veloce, it was like, I was like getting the shakes driving up and everything. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> but like deep inside, I'm like, all right, Spencer, like keep it cool. Like we're fine. Like this is just, just another race weekend. Like just chill out that didn't really fully work for the rest of the weekend. Cause you know, it's, it is still definitely like, Oh, this is like it. It's like a big this time. Is it for, yeah, this is the big time. So the difference, I mean, Moto America definitely keeps a, a tight knit like schedule. So like everything's like right on time. If there's like a red flag or whatever, there's debris on the track, they get it done faster. Um, But yeah, I mean the jump, like just having all same bikes in your group and in your races and everything. It's super sweet. Cause I mean like racing CCS, it's like, all right, so you have a modded two fifty, <laughs> and then we got a 400 and then we got a really old 600 up here. And then we got like this 650, 650. There's a, Oh, there's a one twenty five behind me. I didn't even know about him. You know, like it's, it's so mismatched and doesn't feel like official but when you're lining up and growing up with every bike like same spec same everything it is it's a cool feeling it's a cool now, feeling i would imagine that there's a high level of respect because you've made it you've got that new license you're like like i said in the big show but you can also probably trust them more like you can make maybe tighter passes and not have to worry about is this gonna go guy gonna go down because i'm gonna take his line uh, respectfully yeah. you know Definitely. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's got to be nice. You can finally do what you really want to do and like give them the business, right? When you come yeah. through the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the CCS before Jersey this year, um, I felt good. I was doing maybe like two seconds off of like race times for Jersey um, with rain suspension like i had soft springs everything was rebounded to the max and everything um but yeah i was doing you know two seconds off and whenever i would come up on lap traffic i would just like let them have it like i would just wait for a specific time because i was like i am not about to get taken out by whoever this person may be um but yeah and then when you come to moto america you know all right, this person here, they worked and they know what they're doing enough to be in this situation. So 
you can you can bang elbows with them. Sure, and people still make mistakes. You know, they might uh, oh yeah break a little too late, but most of the time they're hitting their, their apex points and they're hitting their turning points just just fine consistently. And uh, you know, it's really cool when you can have a race that's every single lap is within three tenths of a second or less, um, and yeah. you're just being that consistent the whole time. Um, is there something on track that you're mainly focused on working on? You said, uh, you know, seat time is a big thing, but when you're out on the seat, is there, is there like working on braking or corner speed or. Um, I mean, you know, you can always, always strive to work on like everything, you know, braking, corner speed, everything. But I mean, like race wise, if, if I can do a full season this year, who knows what might happen, what might transpire but um i want to be able to do what like tyler scott and rocco landers and even gus a lot this year they're able to break away from the pack and just put down heaters yeah so like when race race one at jersey um we were just like cruising doing 30s and at the time it didn't even feel fast I was like, man, we're probably doing like 32s in my head. And I get off track and it's like, oh, yeah, you're doing 30s. So I was like, damn, like, <laughs> damn. Just time just like that. Yeah, it doesn't make it's It's really weird because especially at a track like Jersey, like the the less you try, the faster you go. Like you can't you can't force yourself to try to go fast around Jersey because then you just end up not going fast. But I want to be able to work on like just plug in laps. Like I want to just, I want to be able to show up to like Jersey on a track day or whatever. And I want to just be able to throw down thirties by myself. I don't need anyone in, ahead of me or nothing like that. I just want to be able to plug away. And if, if I can race again next year, which I pray to God I can, because I really think I could do something. Um, Yeah. I want to, I want to be the Rocco Landers or, or Tyler Scott that just breaks away from everyone. Heck yeah. You know, I just saw a super funny video Rocco Landers posted. He was at Road Atlanta. He had not such a great start. I don't know if you remember. And uh, in the 600 class, he uh, I think he tagged the back of another guy and went down first corner. And then he's got like these. Um, <laughs> he cuts away. It's like a reel. It's a short reel on Instagram. He cuts away to he's at a funeral and they're like dancing with the casket. And it's like, it's just hilarious. He's like, I screwed up and now I'm dead. You know, it's not. Yeah. Good. Yeah. He was fine, but it's just a hilarious video. <laughs> I have to send one it to of, you later. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, one of, one of the fastest racers in, in the country, Rocco is, is a very, very funny character for sure. You for have sure. to be a little different to be, uh be, to be that good and be doing it like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think sure. we're all a little different if we're into the sport. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm if you're cookie cutter and you're you're Captain America and you're it won't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have a little flair. Gotta have a little flavor. Yep. Gotta be willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. And so uh I guess like that's a good segue to sponsors and uh sponsorship. So, sounds like you got a a rye a rye cap on, or it looks like oh definitely, definitely. Been uh, a rye a wearer for years. Um, yeah, it actually stemmed from Mini GP. Um, in the fifty class, if if you win the championship, you get a year contract with a rye. Oh, cool! 
so I first started and I just did like a couple 50 races eventually moved up to a 110 and then I was like yo dad like we can we can get like free helmets if we race this 50 class and so we were like all right we're doing 50 class we got this 50 or whatever I was actually racing with um Ben Glotty was my oh, yeah. biggest competitor me and him <laughs> were going back and forth back and forth on the 50s for the uh the arrive sponsorship but um yeah it all stemmed from there and then just each year I, I reached out to him asking hey like are we are we good for next year like here's my resume and everything um they've always been super cool always been like oh yeah no problem like you're with us again nice um yeah but like Bo over at Arai is my guy like he he hooks it up all the time um yeah it's it's a sick deal to have for sure and some of those helmets uh, I mean they have different models but um it's like one of the best helmet brands in the world widely recognized in MotoGP and world superbike and uh, wera yeah. you know everywhere yeah it's the real deal for sure is there a model that you're running right now like a specific oh, yeah. helmet strictly uh strictly the corsair x okay if if i i don't want no no quantum or <laughs> nothing like that i need that little middle uh vent piece but yeah yeah and the top of the line ones, they aren't cheap. They're like, what, eight $900 now? Something like that? Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. So that's a yeah. good savings for a racer. You know, every uh, every penny helps. 100%, 100%. I've always been a, uh, a showy guy, and I got, uh, uh, which one is it? The uh, O'Neill is a new brand, uh, but that's oh, like yeah? motocross. So Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. That's sweet. Yeah, so uh, to each their own, you know, um, I did Scorpion for a while. That was my first helmets. I had like four different Scorpions, uh, XO 750s back in the day. And they were so cheap. I was like, should I be wearing this helmet? You know, it, it was it was well made, I want to say. It was not a bad helmet. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a, on the clearance rack. Makes um, you think, though. Makes you think. <laughs> right. It's like, maybe I should buy a more expensive helmet. But these are so cheap. <laughs> well, no, nah, as long as you're not wearing one of those Icon helmets, you're good. Right? <laughs> those Icon helmets will just crumble into dust but it seems like a big uh big brand for street riders they love that those icon helmets and icon gear it's like a more of a fashion thing than a safety thing yeah the the goofy goofy uh oh wait i think oh we back the goofy designs goofy (laughs) for sure uh but you got guys like troy lee designs out there making awesome custom helmets for people and um it seems like there's a lot of companies that are making uh, custom and painted helmets now, but they always say, don't, don't repaint your helmet. Cause you could ruin the safety of it. If you don't know what you're doing. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with like, um, especially with like a like, you know, the glancing technologies. So, I mean, like if you, if the paint ain't exactly right, I guess that could really affect it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to get a custom lid. I'll tell you what, but I I see everyone getting these custom lids, like especially like Brandon. Um, but I just I, I wouldn't even know what to have on a helmet. You know, like I don't even know where I would start. Like, all right, I want this here and this here, and I want this color and all that. But you know, I mean, you gotta if, play if, around with it. Yeah, but I would only I would only want a custom helmet if I'm like up there you know if yeah. i'm like 
if I'm lower in the in the field and I got this custom helmet, I feel like everyone's looking like, all right, who is this <laughs> with the custom helmet running tenth place or whatever? Right. No diss on anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think if you have a custom lid, you need to be up front. Like you need to be proven that you can you can wear such a such a thing. But yeah. And they're not super expensive. I mean, I'm sure you can go all out and spend thousands of dollars, but I've seen them for uh i think three four hundred dollars i don't know if that includes shipping or not because you got to get it to the painter and all that but yeah yeah um my uh my cousin i don't know if he does too much too many helmet painters but he's a sign painter so he, he kind of paints on everything now and uh he does uh number plates for people and his girlfriend oh, yeah. rides and it's all custom painted so it's a different thing than vinyl you know it's more more personalized yeah. um but his girlfriend rides and she's like, I want a number plate on my bike. And uh, she, <laughs> so she chose a cheeseburger instead of a number. I'm like, that's different. Like, I've never seen a cheeseburger for your number. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she doesn't try to run that at CCS because that will not pass tech. <laughs> no, they're just doing off-road stuff just for fun oh, in the God. woods. But it's just like, that's awesome. That's that's pretty unique. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you... If you got a helmet, you, I would put like my name on it. You're like your maybe your last name or a nickname that you go by, maybe a number, like what number you are. Um, and I've seen you run a couple different numbers. You're what is it, 70, 65 or yeah. one, 165? Um, yeah. And that that one in there is just because if you're a first year Motor America guy, you got to run that a triple digit number. Is that right? Oh, uh, well, no, that was um, the CCS round. That was, you can't have double digit numbers. So you have to have three. So okay. I was just like, go one sixty five. But yeah, I didn't know that. I I didn't know CCS required triple mm -hmm. digits. Yeah, I mean, I think you can do double and like single digits if you have like championship under your belt or like something. Like you got to earn the double number. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I uh, it is kind of interesting having uh the two digit number because you tend to overlap other people's numbers more frequently than if it was a three digit number and uh I remember i was at road atlanta and i think it was joe melendez and i had the same number 20 and uh usually they say hey one of you has to change your number yeah uh, but they never did so we didn't change our numbers <laughs> and then at one point i think uh he was in front of me and we were it was so his number 20 is in front of number 20 it's like who's which one <laughs> Yeah, which 20 which 20 i mean it didn't really matter because uh like the the timing and scoring app on your phone is just for a lap time but the yeah. transponder knows who's who for race control but yeah if, if race control or the corner marshal said oh number 20 screwing up like which one you have yeah, to identify yeah, them by yeah. the color of their bike or like their leathers and that gets kind of hectic but uh it's it's hard sometimes um identifying who's who because uh, all the time I'm seeing like, oh, that's number 38, that's number 40, that's number 20. And then it's like, can't read it, can't read it, number 45, <laughs> number 70. Yeah. You know? And so some of these numbers, like I'm all for having custom number plates and custom you know designs. But sometimes you just can't read it at, when you're going 80 miles an hour and there's you're 100 yards away. It's yeah, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. CCS cracks down on that really hard. Um which I get, but there's like, 
there's certain things you can't even have like a, a curve on your number one, you know, like number one's got that little slant. You can't have that. Oh, wow. So like, I, I think like little stuff like that, let's have a little bit of some, some creativity and make it, <laughs> make the numbers actually look a little good at least. Um, I'm hoping with the new ownership that something changes with that, but yeah, I mean, some people overdo it for sure. Like just have it a little more like dim it down a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have some personalization, but make it readable or legible from a uh, hundred yards away at 80 miles an hour or sometimes faster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing I'd like to see for CCS or Wera or any amateur organization is having legit TV. Not maybe it's not going to be broadcast on your national networks. I don't have cable anyway. I would pay for the video pass. And I thought about doing this before and I've talked to other people about doing this. I mean, we have freaking bag toss or cornhole on ESPN. You're telling hey, me this is not a place hey, for man. for uh, motorcycle racing or amateur racing? Like, you don't have to do it with $100,000 a piece broadcast cameras. My cell phone, uh, iPhone X from six years ago, is a 4K camera that's better than any camera that I have for the podcast. And $1,000, you get... It'd be great to... Like, I, I did a whole whole list of what i would want to see and i i laid it out in a word document and messed around with it quite a bit but like it'd be nice to have maybe 10 cameras per track maybe you have a pit lane camera maybe you have one in the garages maybe you have one in the straights maybe you have one um that can cover a couple corners um yeah. but uh you don't even need 10 like anything would be better than what we have now um yeah like maybe even five you know right, just yeah. like somewhere it doesn't have to be every turn like just uh just somewhere i think for sure yeah and some of the organizations i'm not sure if it was ccs but i know it was arma vintage racing they have a camera they have one camera at the start finish line uh, as like an overview but they don't have any cuts to the feed or anything like that and they stream it live usually that one feed now to do it even cheaper, you wouldn't even have to have a production crew or a truck or a van there splicing it all together. Do it later. Like, do it next week and put it out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, uh, people will still watch it. Like, it stinks knowing the results sometimes, but um, I'll still watch a race if I, even if I knew who won, you know? Yeah. So, like, yeah. do it in post-production. I could do it on my laptop. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to have crazy amount of technology here. Just a few feeds and maybe a volunteer doing this with the camera oh there we go yeah, just a little follow yep no <laughs> and, problem uh, no problem you know they have they have soccer they have this soccer camera um that is a like an ai camera that doesn't need any person operating other than pressing start and then it'll just track the ball and just slowly pan back and forth and i'm like and i i emailed them said is this good for good for motorsport application they said no it's not but all you really need is just to like follow an object that looks like a motorcycle and track it around the corner yeah. and then reset. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be super zoomed in or high definition MotoGP cameras, which would be nice, yeah. but maybe down the road, once we have a, like you can't make it better until you have something to start with. Yeah. Yeah. got to get a solid base first. So uh, I don't know. I, I can't imagine the organizations wouldn't want you to do that. Right. They, they would probably welcome somebody to come in, but they're they're not a film company. Right. Yeah. You need you need like an outside entity to do that. 
Uh, and then they're going to work work on, well, who has the rights to it? Is it the film company that has the rights? Is it the racing yeah. organization? Like, I don't, I'm not doing this for money. I just want to see it promoted more. And I think that's one of the things that um, is a problem with the sport is like, you can't see, unless you go to the racetrack, that's probably two and a half hours away. You're, you can't see these amateurs get better and, and come up through the rankings. You only see yeah. them once they get on the professional stage. Mm. And it's like, we got poker on TV. We got all these different things. There's I mean, so many different even, interests. Even, like we got bowling. <laughs> yeah. Bowling. And you curling, know? Like, you know. Bowling. I mean, even, yeah, I mean, let's get let's get risky here. Baseball. Yeah, right. I get it's the, I get it's the World Series. And I mean, it's a little entertaining now that it's the World Series and actually matters, but watching any other baseball game, it is like watching paint dry. And I get <laughs> that motorcycles isn't for everybody and you can't be like oh this is cool which still doesn't make full sense in my head like how that doesn't like spark your your interest just a little bit just you know rolling around a racetrack at really high speeds and dragging your knee and elbow like that's not that's not like oh that's cool like you know i don't i don't get that and like it's BS. It's BS that we got we got bowling, we got we got ping pong, maybe even and, and we uh the cornhole. Cornhole. <laughs> cornhole. Like that's crazy. And they have they have professional cameras. They're on like ESPN. What? <laughs> like it's a it's, big production. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think there's definitely a space for it. It's just uh like you can make any idea come to life, you just have to have a good enough pitch get in front of the right people and let go out and make it happen. You know, yeah. it's just, uh, we need somebody to do that. And I don't know if I'm that person, I'm not a, a film expert. I'm just trying to, uh, get better at speaking now and talking to people. And, and yeah. if there's, if that happens and broadcasting amateur races gets more popular, uh, I bet you the grids will get bigger. There'll be more sponsors because now it's televised or, um recorded for maybe millions of people to watch and mm -hmm. i want to get into broadcasting i want to be like a play-by-play -play analyst like pit reporter guy with the mic you know at the grid so like if anybody's listening i'm yeah. open for this <laughs> and so like that's something i want to do and if there's new new uh series that allows for new broadcasters so yeah. uh i'm just looking to do as many things as i can get my voice out there for real yeah yeah it just takes one person get the ball rolling yeah maybe one of these guys with the semi trucks at the racetrack will have a, a good connection it's all <laughs> this this sport is all about the people you know yeah yeah it's been pretty cool so uh before i forget i'm going to a quick little segment here um so from going going to the racetrack and going down the pit lanes and talking to all the racers i got a whole bunch of posters here maybe i can shout out some racers i got uh i don't know if you can see these too well Taylor awesome. Knapp, got Taylor Knapp here uh, on the mission, King of the Baggers, Vance and Hines, um, Joseph Giannato, Joey G, Giannato, number 48 there. He's on the uh, BMW S1000RR, and uh, we've got Desiree Caldwell in the Junior Cup, one of the only females in the sport right now in our country. She's also, uh, I podcasted with her, and she's uh, Dizzy Dez. Uh, Desiree and uh that's her nickname but she she's a instructor at the Texas Tornado Boot Camp for Colin Edwards and uh we got Corey 
That's my guy. Uh, Corey Ventura. Yep. And uh, he, I think he ended up crashing at Barber. Uh, yeah, that was a bad look for sure. <laughs> it was a bad look. <laughs> but uh, he's doing really well uh, with the Melissa Paris as a crew chief. That's pretty cool. Um, there's getting a lot more women in the sport now. I like yeah. it. We got uh, Hector Barbara. Pretty pretty fancy guy on the Tyler Cycle BMW. Got a lot of BMWs out there. Yeah, yeah. Num- number 80. Um, we got uh, one of my fan favorites is PJ Jacobson from the world stage, Patrick Jacobson. And uh, he gave a, uh, a speech to all the marshals. Like sometimes we'll have the racers come in to the hospitality crew for Moto America and they have food and whatnot, but came in and talked to us about his racing career and everything, a world Superbike, And that was super cool to get like a sit down with him. Uh, we got Hunter. Yeah. Hunter Dunham. Hunter Dunham, the number 17. Um, we got, uh, Jeremy coffee, number 42 Got a vertical poster that time. Ooh. And, uh, Let's see who's next. We got Aiden Tao and the Junior Cup. You probably battle with him a little bit, right? No, no. not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, Aiden Tao is uh, he's something else. He's even uh, got Carter Law Group as one of his sponsors. So pretty big guy, pretty big company there. Yeah. And uh, here we go with uh, CJ LaRoche. I podcasted with him. Also number twenty. Number twenty yeah. is in my heart. So got a. Got to represent number 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got LaRoche Tree Services. He sponsors, he's like one of the first racers to sponsor around himself. He sponsored the yeah. Pittsburgh round with yeah. uh, his aviation services. And here's Ty that, here's that boy, Ty Scott, number 70, killing it on yeah. the vision. He is something special for sure to M4, do what he did this year. And for X Star Suzuki. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing super well, man. And then you got another guy who's uh, doing really well. I think you already won a race this, this year, Sam Lockoff. Yeah, yeah. Anybody on the uh, M4 X-Star Suzuki team is going to be the tits, right? They're going to be oh, super good sure. just to for be sure. on that team. Uh, we got Liam Grant here, another one on that team, stepping up. Mm. Number 90. Man, I got a lot of posters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Jake Lewis, number 95, happy to see him back on the grid. He's uh he was out for a little while. You know, he got he got hoed when he broke his leg back in like 2015. Yeah. And and Tony Elias took over a superbike seat. That that stunk, but I mean Tony won the damn championship, so you can't fault the team for it. But uh, I get it. But uh now he's back and he's winning races in the stock one thousand class, moving up and uh, going to superbike. And we got oh, I didn't look at it for Richie Escalante. Richie Escalante, number 54. I think he's definitely got some uh something in him when he gets on a, a real a real bike. Yeah, I sure. mean he beat SDK and SDK is now in Moto 2. Mm, so I mean that's kind of hard to to like really gauge though, because Sean Dylan Kelly definitely went to Moto 2, but Sean Dylan Kelly went to Moto 2 most likely because he knows the right people and Escalante didn't, or maybe Escalante had the opportunity, but thought, I don't think I'm fully ready for that. And Sean Dillon Kelly, he's trying his best out there, but 
you know, he's over in Moto 2, but he's not like, boom, Moto yeah. 2, like Sean Dylan Kelly, let's go. Nothing like that, which is fine. And, you know, it's going to take time and whatnot. But, I mean, I feel like maybe Richie was just like, maybe I'll pass up on that. Sean, you go do that. I'm going to try to get faster here first or, or do whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, there's always more to learn. And Richie's stepping up to the 1,000 class now. So that's yeah. a whole new ball game. We've got to figure out how the how to make that work. Um, it's tough. Any Anytime you're stepping up, whether it's in a different series or a different class, I'm sure it takes quite a bit to get to. Yeah. Um, I got Carl Soltis here, who is a local homeboy. Um, went to his uh, Super Carl party the other day, about a month ago. Mm. Um, he even wrote me a note, Eric, thanks for always watching me on track. He said, uh, <laughs> when I'm out, when I'm out there corner working, he's like, I feel a little safer when you're out there. Cause you kind of know what's <laughs> going on, you know? And then, uh, disrupt racing. Also, we got, um, 69 Hayden Gillum. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing really well right at the front. Ripper. Certified Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, another, my podcast guest, I got. <laughs> Uh, Max Flinders on the yellow 88 uh, Yamaha, I think it is, R1, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Thrash Bike Racing. Man, if he if this guy gets a good bike, how he's going to be just soaring to the top, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things thrashed, I guess. <laughs> and then uh, another podcast guest, uh, Travis Wyman on, on the baggers in this one, and the Harley-Davidson factory rider. And yeah. I got to give out to give a shout out to Travis. I, I podcasted with him and it's kind of changed my whole idea of uh, what I can do. Um, we talked about, he's a coach for open wheel cars. He's a coach for motorcycle racing and he's a coach for Ford performance, like three different disciplines in racing, all, you know, all separate. And I'm like, man, how, how do I get into that? How do I do more of that stuff? And he's like, well, with your credentials behind you, he's like, I'm sure you could. So I'm like, oh, ding, ding, ding. Like, I got an idea. <laughs> so after that, I became a coach for four organizations um, yeah. for, for motorcycles. So I do uh, um, USMCA. I'm a private certified coach for them. Um, uh, for MSF, for street riding, getting their license in the state of Michigan. Uh, for sport bike track time. And uh, the newest one is California Superbike. I'm still provisional California Superbike. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done it yet. But um I think I'm still going through all the homework. You got to pass everything hundred percent before you move on to the next step. Um, but uh, I just talked to the main, the main guy over there and he said probably March I'm going to be starting. So uh, they do That's like awesome. 80 to 90 days on track um, throughout the country. It's called California Superbike, but they, yeah, they oh, operate yeah. in 10 or 11 different States uh, depending on the year. And I think five countries they are in like the Philippines. They do Spain, UK, us, uh, Portugal, I think, but, uh, I don't think yeah, I've been traveling internationally just yet, but, uh, yeah. maybe there will be an opportunity. I think they go to Australia too. So, uh, such an opportunity to, to do yeah, that. That's awesome. And then, uh, I actually have two Travis Wyman posters. This one is, is, uh, 1000 oh, yeah. CC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also on a BMW. So, yeah. uh, so my motorcycle is, I'll, uh, it's for sale right now. I have a 2008 Kawasaki Ninja ZX6R. Uh, it's race ready to go. Uh, brand new stands, brand new warmers. I'm actually selling my entire setup. I'm not getting out of it, but 
California Superbike provides a motorcycle. Uh, a yeah. 2023 brand new BMW S1000RR. That's and a little bit of an upgrade. A little upgrade, you know, about 14 years or something newer and 80 horsepower more. And so I just bought this bike myself from a friend of mine. I did seven track days on it. And then I got this opportunity. I'm like, oh, I guess I don't need a bike anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so my entire pit setup is for sale. Canopy, uh, 10 by 10, sturdy, um, sturdy legs on it. With uh, I have a generator, uh, brand new Generac 2500. Um, a trailer for sale with uh, ramps and a, a, a box on the front with a pit bull trailer restraint. Uh, I got lap timers. Starlane lap timer GPS with the lean angle. Um, I have a XT beacon system for like track days and stuff. So my entire setup is for sale. I'm asking $9,000 for it. Um, could part it out. Uh, if you need it, I could part out the items, but I don't want to part out the bike. I want to keep the bike together. I also have like 13 takeoff tires. People are looking for them and I sell 22 brands of motorcycle parts online. So if you guys need anything, let me know. Cause I need to, to get rid of this bike now um and we got travis's brother kyle wyman wow he's not running the number one next year is he yeah no he's not <laughs> he lost that number one plate but uh he's still fighting for it yeah i think they had some bad mechanicals and oiled the track again and but that's pretty common <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty common and uh, it looks like i got a duplicate i must have got two from pj how uh, could you not you know oh yeah right if he's going to offer, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I got to take one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got another one from Jeremy Coffey. Sorry I'm taking all your posters, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Here we got uh, Bazooka Joe. Oh, that guy sucks. <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> Joseph Lamandre. He's been on here twice already, podcasting with yeah. him. He's a super nice guy. And he's getting older, man. He's getting uh, more mature. And uh, I went up to him. like, I didn't recognize him. I was like, are you – he said, I'm Bazooka Joe. I'm like, who's Bazooka Joe? I didn't know the nickname. He's like, oh, that's that's Joseph Lamandry. <laughs> Felt a little silly, but. Um, and then we got Ashton Yates. Ash, yeah. Oh, this was really cool. Uh, in those Moto America uh, hospitality meetings, um, the three Yates, it was Lucky, Aaron, and Ashton. They all came and did a speech for us. And it's like, we have three generations of professional racers right in front of us, in the same family. That's uh pretty darn rare. You don't I don't know any Super other cool. family like that. Yeah. And then the last one I got on here is the Battle of the Baggers. Battle of the Baggers, drag specialties. And this was uh Bagger Racing League the, at the Milwaukee Mile, September 2nd to the 20 to the uh September 2nd to the 4th of 22. And uh so I went to the Milwaukee Mile in Wisconsin and uh it was a whole a whole series of baggers, all different classes. They might've had six or seven classes. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, they haven't used the Milwaukee mile in 35 years for motorcycles. It's like a mini Daytona. They have a banking, then they have an infield section, but, um, it was cool to go there and see a new series and help out. You know, if you go to like a Moto GP or a formula one Marshall meeting, they have 500 people. We had seven people seven marshals so like and these bikes are six seven eight nine hundred pounds depending yeah. on the class and so uh we don't have anybody to do a uh, pickup so if somebody crashed we just red flag it and uh, stop the session and like okay get the crash truck out there and 
it's not ideal. No, no. <laughs> um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was Shane Arbone racing that? I think so. I uh, yeah. I cannot confirm, but I'm pretty sure I, I heard the name over this a loudspeaker. Yeah, yeah. I just seen him on a on a bagger, and I guess that that must be the series he's racing in. But yeah, yeah. Patricia Fernandez, Corey West were out there. I saw Jason Farrell. He was doing tires. He wasn't riding, but uh, it's mm-hmm. good to see everybody. It's like yeah. a traveling circus. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and so, uh, what are your plans for next year? You said you want to do the full season uh, for Moto America, so that'd be like nine or ten rounds or so. Yeah, yeah, I definitely I want to do a full season and uh, really, really do it, you know. Um, but I mean, you know, it's still uh, still early in the off season, but it is somewhat near the time that things start getting put into motion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to do it. It all definitely comes down to funding. Um, it's tricky, you know, it's tricky finding finding someone to to give up some money like that but yeah if if i can if i can find the funds and i can make it happen i'm ready all right that's good to hear you know it's uh racing is all about if you can afford to do it you can you can do it forever um (laughs) it sounds like you said you uh before you had some sort of uh proposal or marketing information to get to give people to get people what do you mean um to give people like uh, for information about the series and about your rating, racing and riding, like a race resume. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, are you going out like in person with like a suit and tie, sitting down with corporations, like, <laughs> like, uh, like Kyle Wyman got Panera bread, like that's it didn't yeah. stick around forever, a couple that years, right? But that that's that's awesome, like yeah, to get just to get a meeting with these people. Is, yeah. is a step in the right direction. And then maybe you do a hundred meetings and you get maybe one or two say yes, but um, yeah. those, those two that say yes could fund your whole, your whole season or multiple seasons. Definitely. I mean, I think it was definitely a little bit easier for Kyle to, to get something like that with his name being Kyle Wyman and, you know, in the super bike class and everything, but being in junior cup, might have a little bit of an effect on things, but I mean, I haven't gone out in a suit and tie going place to place, door to door, but if if that's what it takes, you know, I'm down to do it. I don't think it sounds like a terrible idea. I was thinking of um, like, go to every single dealership in the country till you find one that says yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or start out in your home state, your home city. Right. And then yeah, expand yeah. from there, try to get meetings with people, but it's uh. At some point, yes, they're helping you, but at the other side of it, you got to, you got to change your thinking on, uh, what do I get? It's like, what can I give them? And, and mm-hmm. for Moto America, you are, you're on TV. That's a huge selling point. Now you might not be, you know, top one, two, three that you can claim right now, but, um, it's still broadcast to like, I don't know, was it 54 countries and 18 million viewers and, yeah. uh, it's, it's a big, big numbers. So and to be like, that's why I'm doing this podcast is one of the reasons is to try to get my name out there. And uh, someone told me years ago, or maybe I just read it somewhere. It's like, you want sponsorship? Get in front of a microphone and start talking. Like start to talk about the sponsor, start, start talking about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. People want to want to hear the story and they want to see that progression. And it's like, you're the underdog. We're both underdogs. You know, we, <laughs> I would be out there racing banging bars with you too, if I just had enough money to do it. Um, yeah. 
So it's 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 tough out there. And people say, well, it's the economy. Well, I don't know. If you can blame it on that, you then you're just gonna yeah, say no matter what, what motorcycle racing is gonna be expensive. The, yeah, you know, like economy is definitely tough and all, but yeah, you can't beat that. <laughs> you can't, you know. Yeah. So like if if I had a million followers for this podcast, I might be able to get Coca-Cola as a sponsor, whoever, you know. Yeah, um yeah. so I just crossed fifty thousand views on YouTube, which it's not exactly going viral, but it's That's sweet though. It's sweet, sure. man. The last couple ones, uh, the biggest one I have is uh, just past sixteen thousand views, um, and uh, the one before that was like six thousand. So it's getting yeah. up there, getting better. Slowly but surely, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Just trying to push it, and uh, man, I learned so much from just talking to people, and uh, it's very, in my life, anyways. Um, it's not very often that I sit down with somebody with no phones or distractions or bathroom breaks and we just talk back and forth for an hour. So right. you just learn about people and, and you get, I, th- I think I've becoming a little bit of a better communicator. Um, just trying to get better. Yeah. No, you've been killing it. Well, thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you think I, who would you like for me to have on here? Is anybody you're like, you should pick this guy's brain a little bit. Mm trying to think who's in my somebody that i might not know of that you're like hey this is a this is a guy might be interesting might not know of guy that's interesting (laughs) like i'm trying to i'd like to get like moto gp and world superbike but half of those guys they're so big now they don't even see the message oh yeah yeah um maybe go someone like ryan fleming okay He's the owner or co-owner of uh, Mini GP and J Mini GP. Um, All right. Yeah, he he's a very successful businessman, and he has copious amounts of love for the sport. And picking his brain about what to do in the the scene for sure. Like, if you want to actually put the the nose to the grindstone with the the camera and everything like that he would be able to feed into that somehow like he's a big business guy big promotional guy he's a good guy guy. yeah i have to look it up brian fleming yeah and so tell me a little bit about uh, mini gp i don't know too much about that organization yeah um it's where i started it's where gus started it's where joe started it's where maz started it's where brandon posh started wow it's It's a big name yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's a little organization in Jersey that does um, like dirt bikes, like a Sierra 50, a, a Kawasaki 110. Um, and then it goes up to like a 150R as like the super mini like premier class. Um, but yeah, I started off with it with actually my brother, Tyler. He started because he worked for um, Metric Devil Moto with Mike Felice, but um, he got into it. I just went with him to the practice day and whatnot. I was just like riding my bike around, not knowing anybody, which is like crazy to think. And someone was like, Oh, excuse me. Um, Hey, do you want to ride? Like I have gear, helmet, suit, boots, like all the whole nine. I have a bike for you. Even. Oh, wow. My dad was like, All right, why not? And then I did it the next day. And Maybe even after like the second lap, I was just like hooked. <laughs> I was just like, this 
is sick. Like this, <laughs> I need to keep doing this. Um, but yeah, and since then it was just history, really. Yeah, just and so it's a uh, a pavement or dirt or supermoto mix. Uh, strictly pavement. Strictly pavement, and so you're yeah. probably on uh uh, uh DOTs or slick tires, not knobbies. Yeah, no knobbies. You could maybe do it on knobbies, but maybe die as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I've been doing some supermoto, and it's uh pavement sometimes only and then they'll have a mix where you could do dirt and pavement but uh mm -hmm. for any of those it's no knobbies whatsoever because you have no grip on the corners like you're going to a corner yeah. it's just gonna you know just mm -hmm. gonna fall wash out real quick so that's uh more of a safety thing than any yeah so they do um like sprint races or endurance races or what kind of uh events um yeah yeah so they do practice days <laughs> um and then they do i think they have like usually six sprint races a year and then maybe three or four um four hour endurance races which are okay. always a good time and is it the same track or is there a, a series of different ones um so they differentiate tracks like mainly just at jersey like jersey's got um avenger and liberator so mm -hmm. they'll go back and forth through that and then they also go to that new york race complex place oh yeah track is amazing <laughs> it's like a, it's like a moto gp mini track it's, so like a cart track it's yeah yeah cart track still but it's like big scale yeah it's kind of hard you can't it would be nice It'd be fun, I think, to go take a mini bike on a big track, but you'd be sixth gear, or you'd probably even have six gears. You'd be fourth gear yeah, pinned the whole time. Fourth or fifth, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you'd blow your engine in the lap too, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. I mean, you could just gear it to the moon, but having a big bike on a small track is actually, like, having a 400 on a mini track, something something special for sure. It's fun. Yeah. So you've yeah. done that too. You're taking your uh your Cowie 400 out there. What's that like? Yeah. It's probably you're not getting out of second gear on, on that situation. So I was mainly taking it up to um OVRP Oakland Valley Race Park. Um, it's actually where PJ rides a lot too in his off time, if he's not in Florida. But um, yeah, I went out there a couple of times with like Gus and Joe and them. Um. And they all have like four fifties, you know, the Huskies and everything. And I'm like, damn, like I don't even have a bike. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Hey, you want to come up? And I was like, well, I mean, I do have my 400. And I was like, I'll just take off the, the fairings. But yeah, it is a, a huge workout. Um, it, you can, you know, really test the limits you can. And at, at a safe speed too, you know, like you can really, you can feel the front, and not be worried about feeling the front because you're not going like 60 miles an hour. You're going maybe 20. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I do attribute like my performance this year just from even riding a mini track. As crazy as it sounds, people were a certain person was doubting me um, at the C uh, CCS race um, before Jersey. And they were like, oh, like riding on a cart track you know like you're ready for moto america like kind of just like playing around but yeah at the same time i was like you don't know you don't know <laughs> you'll see you'll see i'll show you but yeah i mean track time track time for sure you're still pushing the tires you're still getting on the gas getting wheelies out of the corners probably and yeah, yeah. and uh hitting those breaking points and it's about you know instilling consistency and good habits um doesn't matter if you're going 200 miles an hour if you can do it consistently the same lap time within a few, you know, a few tenths here and there, 
and you're comfortable and you're doing it in different conditions. You know, it's a drying track. It might not be raining, but it's, it's wet and drying. Um, it all, it all helps, man. Like I've done all kinds of things now, um, since I started motorcycle racing, like done car track days, I've been behind a Porsche of an Audi, uh, behind the wheel of an Audi and a Porsche. And, um, I've done cart racing championships and mountain bike racing championships and foot racing and did one triathlon and, and I have a simulator in my living room. So like all these different things help yeah. each other. You might say, well, how does like karting help motorcycle racing? Well, I'm still on a track. I'm still getting the feel. I'm pushing, I'm learning different lines, you know, and it it all helps. I think just putting those puzzle pieces together is a big part of the pie. Yeah. Yeah. Everything coincides with racing for sure flat track all of it so do you do uh any flat track or what what do you do um like for training in the off season you do like mountain biking and running um off season i'll usually be on my mountain bike i recently moved to a more like urban area i moved out of my parents house i'm in eastern pennsylvania now but um so there is like some riding to be done around here but also at the same time i'm working 60 hours a week right now um so it's a little hard but can still fit it in um but yeah I've, I've ridden with uh ty scott from here here and there like i did a little bit last year I, i've been hitting him up recently just to trying to maybe get a little little flat track he's got a, a crazy compound at his house like he's got this oval he's got this tt circuit oh nice yeah he's got it all so i mean I was doing a little dirt riding um, a couple weeks ago down in Maryland, just like this little party thing. But yeah, just, I mean, any, any time, you know? Sure. And so uh, you say you're working a lot. What kind of job do you have? So I work at a cheesesteak um, restaurant. I don't exactly prefer saying that all the time, because as soon as I say that, somebody's like, you know, thinking in their head or like, oh, like, this guy's just working at a cheesesteak place, but it's a, a cheesesteak place done like almost gourmet, you could say. Like we do like our own in-house sauces and all that. But um, yeah, the place is called Whiz Kids. They helped okay. me out a lot this year with one, the hours, and then two, they threw me extra money just to try to get to the racetrack. So nice. Much yeah, I mean, uh, everybody's at a different stage of their life and there's no, yeah. no shade on the food industry. Like, I've worked in the food industry many times yeah. and, uh, and there's sometimes some pretty good benefits to it. You get some free food here and there. And, uh, um, oh, my diet's cheesesteaks. Strictly <laughs> cheesesteaks. I'm there, I'm there five days a week. So like, so that's a secret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cheesesteaks. That's all you need. That's all you need. Um, yeah, man, I remember going down to, uh, to Alabama. I went to going to Barber for the first time for the grand national finals, uh, t- 10 years ago now. And uh, it was my first time ever going to a Waffle House. And they're like, oh, no, don't eat Waffle House. That's a, it'll uh, add two seconds on the straightaway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it was pretty good. I like it. It's a very unique atmosphere. There's always like a fight breaking out or something. Oh, yeah. It's like late night drunk people. The, or... the, the chef's smoking crack by the griller, <laughs> you know, something like that. Or, yeah, sometimes day, daytime drunk people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, we don't have them in Michigan, so it's uh, it's like a delicacy going out of state. Oh, big delicacy! Waffle House—that's <laughs> the best. That's the best there is, you know. Right, and I hear people talking about In and Out Burger, but we don't have those either. We have like Sonic, yeah. and like Hardee's, but no In and Out. Yeah. I think that's a West Coast thing. 
a hardy hardy's hardy's um, Hard- in and out oh yeah oh yeah, yeah for sure yeah so uh what's your go-to restaurant if you had to pick one do you, is it like a a fast food or maybe your own restaurant you work at probably getting sick of it eating it so yeah. much <laughs> yo actually just to to truly attest to the quality of, of cheesesteaks we're pumping out each and every day it's like it's not like oh man like i gotta make this cheesesteak so i can like sustain my energy i truthfully look forward to it <laughs> That's it good. sounds terrible but i could i could i shouldn't but i could like strictly that but i mean i'm still 19 you know i don't exactly have the most advanced palate you know i'm i'm living on my own and whatnot i'm living with tyler but yeah i mean just just whatever i mean like today i just got like i'm I'm running off a couple iced coffees right now so <laughs> that's that's maybe not the best racer diet but i mean it's off season so it's fine yeah i mean back in the day like uh i think it was colin edwards would be drink a lot of beer uh and not have a great diet plan um, yeah and i think it's getting to the point where more people are focusing on their nutrition but you can get away with a lot of stuff and still be fast sports all mental all mental yep um you don't see big bodybuilders going out there ever really there's no there's no one who's massively ripped like a, a lifter um, yeah that'll slow you down at a certain point mm-hmm. yeah everyone's lean everyone's lean yep do you think there should be a minimum weight i saw this picture going around uh not too long ago of rossi and marquez standing next to each other like at a swimming pool had their shirts off and Rossi is like, looks super thin, very thin. Mm -hmm. It's like, is this healthy? Is this what we want uh, our athletes to achieve? I would say definitely. I I just saw something about weight with um, Bautista over in World Superbike. That Ducati and him being like 60 pounds (laughs) is, is very, very unfair, I think, in my opinion. Um with a fast bike like that and he's super light, like he can literally get just about anyone on the straight, no matter how far back he is. So like, I think there should be at least a minimum weight. Like even if you have to add weight onto the Ducati or have him gain weight or something, I don't know. But uh, I would say like, I mean, like when it comes to Rossi and Marquez, um, like Rossi was never like, all right, since Rossi's this light, he's going this much faster than Marquez. It was always close racing, you know. But with this Bautista guy, man, <laughs> I, I would be, I would be pissed because, like, it doesn't, it's not fair at all. It's like a, a Danny Pedrosa or even like a Jason DeSalvo type stature, right? Yeah. It's um, I remember walking around the track with Jason, and he's like five two, five three, or something. I'm not sure exact numbers. But he's like, slow down, guys. I got short legs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I was always kind of a light guy. I think I'm like 150s right now. Um, and uh, that was always a, a strong suit of mine is my starts. Because uh, yeah. I remember yeah. getting quite a few hole shots because I'm like, I'm great on the clutch. I'm great on getting the acceleration and um, not afraid to throw it in the corner. But that, yeah. that weight is a huge factor when the next guy's 250. Or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a big thing. For sure. Um, and you said before you had the, the 300 
and the 400. One of them's mm -hmm. a training bike. One of them's a race bike. Mm -hmm. Um, so what's the difference in those models? Obviously, hundred CCs or so, but uh, what does it feel like to you? Man, it's honestly been a real long time since I was on that three hundred. But I mean, if I could, I mean, it's almost it's almost just like what you would think, you know? Like it's it's just like a little bit of speed difference, maybe a little bit of torque difference. But I mean, all around, I mean, almost in a way, I would almost say that the the three hundreds frame or chassis or whatever like it almost felt better than the four hundred you know the three hundreds almost more um lower to the ground more racier I feel like the four hundred definitely is racier but it's not as low and as small and almost maybe not as agile I gotcha because you know what I mean um, yeah yeah that makes sense. It, yeah yeah and uh, do you think it's really fair for them to be competing like with the R3s now and uh, the Ninja 400s? It seems like a, a a third or a quarter of the power difference. Oh, so you're saying you're saying with the 250s with the 400? Yeah. So with those, um, or I think it's R3, or yeah, so R the Yamaha 300. Um, if they do have the R3, um, I'm pretty sure they have like. A whole package on it okay with the motor and if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure i forget his name but he just won the championship on the r3 so yeah. i mean it's definitely a, a level playing field said uh ben glotty hmm? was that uh ben glotty maybe oh no over in um over in world superbike oh but yeah world super sport i think it'd be called okay. in that class yeah that makes sense yeah. Um, it's always the progression. It seems like a shame that the 600 class is going away and it's now become the 750 class. Um, it's but it's, it's, uh, things are changing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, is there anything on your mind you wanted to talk about today? Let me think now. Let me think. I mean, this, this Moto America schedule, one, the, the pictures that they posted for, I still can't fully get my head around because it's like all right so these numbers that are highlighted means that it's this many races but then this many races doesn't <laughs> apply to it makes absolutely zero sense and just the all-around flow of it like it's i'm pretty sure road atlanta and then barber barber's always been the second to last round or the last round and I don't know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be weird for sure. Um, but I think, I think they need to chill on the, the build train race, um, group, the Royal Enfields. I get the whole like, Oh, bring crowds in and, and, and show what women can do and all of that. But at the same time, you still got to have that focus on what, is going on like what's actually gonna get a rider to the next level and like this is the pro series so people shouldn't be aspiring to be like all right i want to be the next you know kyle wyman or whatever and i want to be on that bagger because that's gonna take me places you know like if you want to go somewhere your your goal should be super bike so if that is what like the goal is here in america you need to to pound that more like 
try to fill the grid out more, pay the riders more, do whatever you have to do to get some better racing. Because I will tell you what, the super bike racing this year was, in a word, boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was Petrucci at, at, at Austin. It was like, oh, man, like, when Gagne gets his bike working and everything, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a crazy battle. Once Gagne got to his Gagne self, it was done. It was yeah. done. Petrucci couldn't hold a torch to him. And... And then there was there 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 really wasn't even any any racing in the back either. You know, it was just like, all right, here comes Gagne. He's still putting down fast lap times. It's like, all right, cool, but like, we need some diversity. But I would definitely say next year with um, I think KMB's coming back. Yep. If we got Cameron Bobier, um, Petrucci, if he comes back, and then Gagne and that would be a, a pretty good lineup. So, I mean, it does look like it might improve, but when Petrucci was coming over, everyone thought, all right, Petrucci's going to win the championship. The, 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 now, not the case. So, I mean, we're going to have to see. Yeah, we've had a couple MotoGP guys come over here and not do super well right off the bat. It takes a little yeah. while for them to learn all the tracks and the bikes and the setup and the crew. And I'm – Kind of disappointed that Cam's not staying in Moto2. He's he's killing it out there. He's doing really well. Top 10 finishes a lot of the time. Some crashes and not so great uh, times. But um, but it'd be interesting to see what he does on the – I think he's going to be on a BMW. So see what he does on a, on a Beamer next year. 